This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. There is no doubt that our world is fueled by the power of technology and that we have before us the opportunity to utilize this power on a daily basis. Technology has blessed our lives and made it possible for us to know what is happening on the other side of the world within seconds. We have the ability to access information, to communicate around the world, to build businesses, to market material, co-create projects, and reach millions of people, all through the use of technology. Our computers and phones have become appendages, and there are times we feel as if we are missing something if we have not regularly checked in on social media or the information highway. Often in a crowded social space, one will see masses of humans with their faces looking down at a screen, all eyes on the power of technology at their fingertips. Life has changed. The connection of the divine, of looking into the eyes of another, has shifted. Instead, we look at a screen. At this time in human history, it is more important than ever for us to remember that we each have within us our own inner technology, and it is calling us. Our inner sanctuary of divine wisdom is our intimate point of unlimited guidance, and if we ignore it, we shall be an out-of-balance society. Looking into screens for answers instead of looking into our souls. The key is balance. We can choose to appreciate technology and utilize it for all the blessings it gives us, while simultaneously cultivating our soul's calling as we remember the power within. The merging, the dance of honoring the inner wisdom within each of us while activating the information highway through the use of technology is mind-boggling to think of all that can be created. It is not one or the other, it's the merging of both. To live a life of balance in the world today, we must cultivate and nurture our spiritual wisdom with as much focus as we use keeping up with the speed of technology. To illuminate the power of this inner technology, we must be awake, says Kim. Valeria Tellis interviews Kim Stanwood Terranova. She is a woman of passionate power who assists individuals with experiencing true inner greatness and unlimited, authentic joy. She has been dubbed the chiropractor of the mind and the master teacher of intentional living. 
Kim holds a license as a practitioner of truth from the Agape International Spiritual Center in Los Angeles, and she has also earned a bachelor's degree in spiritual studies. For over three decades, she has immersed herself in the application and practice of universal spiritual truth and wisdom. Here is the interview with Kim Stanwood Terranova. In your own words, who is Kim Stanwood Terranova? Kim Stanwood Terranova, myself, I am a, a spiritual woman who truly knows the power of creation, where we stand in the truth of intention. And my intention is to assist others on this planet to truly know their magnificence and to assist them to wake up to it and then give them the tools to live it. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you. I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about your book, The Technology of Intention, Activating the Power of the Universe Within You. So my first warm-up question is, what is life to you? Oh, Valeria, I love your questions already, and we're just <laughs> starting. Life to me is an adventure. It is a journey of expansion. And with every breath we take, we have an opportunity to truly expand in this body temple. And I feel like we have been given this wonderful body temple in whatever form it is for each and every one of us to move through this life experience in an expansive way and to stay awake to feel it so that we don't miss the magic of it. Yes. What do you think is the opposite of life? What is the opposite of life? I don't know that I think there's an opposite of life. I don't know that I think there's an opposite of life. I think there's one life, one power, and we're moving through it. I, I believe some people can um, get stuck in a place that feels like there's opposition. And I feel like that's, the, that's our opportunity to stay awake to really there's one occurrence, divine love, that is happening. And I don't think there's an opposition to that when we're awake. It's a falsity when we fall asleep to know something's opposing that. There's definitely energetic fields that can push up against us that don't feel good. And that's why it's so important to stay awake and alert to what, our, what is possible within us with every breath we take. What a wonderful answer. <laughs> what is the meaning of freedom to you, Kim? <laughs> <laughs> that makes me giggle just to think of it. Um, the meaning of freedom right this moment is last night standing, standing under the beautiful moon and just feeling like I could fly. It was so gorgeous last night. What is freedom? To live what we know. To live what we know is freedom to me. To me, when we are not living what we truly know innate in ourselves, then there's a feeling of constriction there. But to to be free is to move and breathe and live what we absolutely know of our highest good. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And what is your vision for a new reality? I feel like our, the world's greatest need is for individuals across this gorgeous globe to be more interested in activating love and the actions of it than staying stuck in any belief in separation. That when we really know that we're all connected, that we're energetic fields, vibrations that are moving across this beautiful planet, then we stay conscious that our actions matter. So when we know that, oh, we're connected, we're not separate. So we must stay awake to make choices that impact all of us as one beautiful body of consciousness. 
and we have to stay awake to know that and practice it to live what we know. Right, right. That's um, a word that has been used a lot in the spiritual field to be awake and awakening. Um, What word would you use for those who choose not to engage in any kind of spiritual practices? It would be two words, self-care, to activate self-care. Because when we're activating self-care, if someone doesn't choose the word, you know, really doesn't enjoy the word awake, which is, and, and here's another wonderful, you know, lead into that space, Valeria, that's so important is when we could honor each other's, what word works for one person? Just imagine, then we're definitely staying connected. So if someone says, Kim, I don't believe in God, but I believe in the universe, or I believe in, the, there's a presence And if we could all accept like that's what that individual believes and that's beautiful because they have a belief. And if someone doesn't like that word awake and it triggers them, then I would say, okay, so what, what lands well in you? Do you have a practice of self-care? Do you have a practice of really staying connected to your intuition, your inner voice within? Because that to me is staying awake, but I don't have to use that word if someone doesn't like it. Right, right. I love that you used um, self-care. It made me think about self-love and even unconditional self-love. Yes. So that might be be a reference, unconditional self-love for those who don't believe in words like awakening. Absolutely. Love. What is love to you? How would you describe love? As soon as you said that, I just just dropped right into a lower level of my heart. Um, <laughs> wow, love is so tangible and so ethereal. It's all there is. To me, love is my very breath and the breath of someone else that just breathes on my shoulder for a minute or the essence of seeing a stranger across the room but sending them the energy of healing and love. Love is our d- deep connection. It is so deep within each and every one of us. It's why we could see something on TV in a commercial and burst into tears because the essence of love knows that in the big picture, we're all moving through this together. So it's, I know I'm giving you a big answer to that one word, but it means, it means so much. And, and at the same time, it's felt in the just the little intricacies of, of moments, of breath, of, of a catching an eye, of knowing that our care for another, for the planet, for, for humanity, that it is in, it is to our core, that our care is bigger than, we may not know what to do at times, but love will lead the way because it's our care within that reminds us and guides us you know, that, that we're all bumping, we're love bugs bumping into one another. And if we could activate that field of, we're just knowing that we could do it gently. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Right. We can do so much gently. Yeah. With kindness. Yes. Right. Right. And that's why self-care is important. We have to start being gentle to ourselves and then we're more gentle to everyone else. True. Yes. What is your understanding and idea of peace? Pure acceptance and a willingness to be of service. When, when peace, peace occurs, even in the times that look disastrous, if we are standing in acceptance that there's always a place for us to be of service, that we can always, 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 in, in so many different variations of ways, be of service and to first have acceptance of a situation, then we pull out of judgment. When we're out of judgment, then we're living more in compassion. And from a compassionate heart, 
we can absolutely be of service even if we don't agree with the individual. But that to me is the pathway to peace. Peace is a, is every step we take. You know, when I um, work with children, I'll ask them, you know, as they're walking upon the earth to send their loving thoughts of peace through the bottom of their feet to the center of the earth because we have an ability to walk with the footsteps of peace with, peace with every step we take. And the earth is feeling it. Goodness knows another individual across the earth is going to feel it. Right, right. Do you ever use the word God? I do, absolutely. I'm, I, I, I have no issues with using the word God. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, there are so many ideas attached to yeah, that word. And, and at the same, um, you know, just to make reference to when I pointed to, if we stand in acceptance that each word is a word, like everyone can, can know what word lands with them. And, and when we honor that, so I, I had um, two people come to me to officiate a wedding years ago and the groom said, you cannot say the word God the entire time. I, you can't, it's my wedding. And his you know, beautiful fiance said, and you have to, because my parents are very religious. <laughs> and so to walk that dance and know, okay, well, I do pray. Is that acceptable? Is it okay if I use another word that would still honor him? There was a path for me to honor them both, whether I called it the presence, higher power, spirit, universal energy. And he said, that's all good. So it's, can we be so interested in finding the path of staying connected to someone that we honor what fits them instead of trying to change them? That's that word has energy on people, yet it doesn't have to. It, that's why when I pray, it could be it's interchangeable with universal energy, spirit, which all of it is love to me. God is love. God is love, right? Uh, do you see any difference between spirituality and religion? Yes, you, truly, Valeria, your questions are magnificent. Um, yes, some times and i'm and i i'm answering this tenderly um because it's a big it it has um places where people could get prickly in it is that you know religion at times can be dogmatic and religion some religions this is definitely not an all that's why I'm, i'm really prefacing it with some can point to our religion is right and yours is not And that, in my world, that separation, which when I was in, you know, growing up, that's where it didn't fit to me. I couldn't understand that. And where I went towards spirituality to me is studying spiritual principle, which is very much in alignment with what many churches will call God. But there's also a large expansion of acceptance, standing in spiritual principle, that there's a principle of love, there's a principle of truth. And it's all-encompassing and accepting of others more than at times some religions. Again, not all, not all by any means. Um, but it's, it's, and I think we must all keep growing in what if someone, you know, many of my clients have a certain religion they were raised with that honors them and I applaud them for knowing that. And they will still say, I love this religion and I find that I'm very spiritual. And why not? That's beautiful. Because lots of religions give, have great sacred ceremonies and rituals that keep people centered and grounded. That could be their tool, their path, which is magnificent if that is their connection to 
God, the Most High. And it's, it's our place to know there's room for all of it. Right. I love how you say the word many times, acceptance, yeah, the non-judgmental space or state of mind. That is wonderful. Um, I have one more question, the warm-up question. What do you think is ultimately the, the purpose of life, the human experience? What ultimately is the purpose of life? I've, about a hundred answers just came forward. So. <laughs> um, right. To to oh, my big answer is to be a beneficial presence on this planet. You know, my wonderful teacher taught me that years ago, Michael Beckwith, and I'm grateful to him, and I believe him that to be a beneficial presence, to to bring more light on this planet, is my overall. Like we are here to be. When I say of service, I mean to humanity, to, to know that our consciousness is, has a vibration. And that's, that's the reason it's so important for me that I use the word stay awake with my clients is because to the vibration of really staying alert to what's possible within our souls. So what we're here to do is to activate that and to live it and to know that our movements through this time on the planet are thoughtful and and connecting and leave an imprint of love. We're here to leave an imprint of love. There, I bookended it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love your energy and I love your wisdom. Thank you. Mm, thank you. What was the inspiration, intention, and lessons you've learned when writing your book, The Technology of Intention? Oh, so many inspiration lessons. The in, so the inspiration came from application. The inspiration came from a lifetime of practicing something that I kept repeatedly seeing bring about um, amazing results and manifestations in my life and in my clients. And when I really started to work with clients and watch when everything shifted, when they really started living a powerful life of intention, that inspired me. And many of them said, would you please write this? And, and I thought, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. Um, and it was also inspiration from spirit. I listen to my clients and simultaneously listen to the presence. And it was clear that it was time to come out of just one-on-one -on -one conversation with individuals, my clients, which I love, but to get to a bigger place. And when I um, then, like I said, worked with children as well as adults and teens and started watching the impact of their lives shift, all the relationships shift, the power of what they believed in themselves, a deeper level of self-love shift because they were living a life of intention. It was clear that it was time to move through it um, and get it done. Now, the challenge of completing it, <laughs> I find so interesting because um, I definitely had challenges come up and I speak of, of, of a couple of them in the book. And my intention of speaking of the few that I brought up in the book is to express the importance that when challenges come up, we, if we're activating the tools that are in this book and spiritual tools, even beyond this book, if we're activating those tools, we can move any, through anything. So when the challenges did come up in the midst of this finishing the book in the last, um, in the last, I would say, getting it publisher, getting it published, and those details happened within a few months after. Yes, after um, I just lost my home and entire 
business and structure from the Southern California fires. So it was, it's, you know, when, when I took a, took a, a month or so before I was getting back up on um, the platform and speaking at different spiritual centers and conferences about this. And when I did, what I said was, we must remember that I find it so interesting that this book was completed in the midst of a firestorm. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and so what that told me is that the intention that was set way before, way before that that fire came and took everything of ours, you know, in one night, before that ever happened, the intention was set for this book to be completed. So that's the power of living a life of intention. I couldn't tell you how. I, I don't know that I could totally point to every moment after because there was so many severe moments in those, you know, in that year. It's only been a year and a half now since um, since the fire came and left. So it's that power inspired me to think, wow, that's the power of this work, that it still got done. Spirit didn't see that as a hesitation. To spirit, it was like, I have an intention in getting this done. It's done. So it doesn't matter to me that everything's gone. And I don't mean that in a um, non-compassionate um, way. I mean it in a way of that's the power of when we've set a really clear aim. Yeah, that's something that you talk in your book that I found to be very interesting. The, uh, the release of the how, just leave that to the universe and stay with the now, the present moment, right? Absolutely. We can, it, the how is not our business because we're still thinking from a human perspective when we think of how. If we let go and then move from divine inspiration, we're guided in the step in the present moment. Yeah, that has so much power. It's almost like sometimes overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, overflowing of these amazing energies, right? So I have a lot of questions here about the technology of intention and intention itself. Um, so, but before that, how did you start your self-discovery journey, Kim? Mm, my self-discovery journey started at, 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 a, at a young age. At a, when I was a child, I was having mystical experiences that I couldn't always explain. But definitely something was occurring that was was mystical that had me very curious about the workings of the world and what was what was happening but I couldn't quite understand it but it got it opened the door to start reading and to start really and to to seek more information. And I remember when I was growing up, I had people look at me in high school and such and say, why are you asking all these questions? Why are you so interested in? And I remember looking at someone saying, doesn't everyone want to understand how the universe works and the power we have within us? And they'd look at me like, no, Kim, we really don't have, we'd like to make it through high school. So with that interest that came, it also brought a depth of sadness because I, I felt odd. I felt very odd and misunderstood. And so probably after, as a teen going into my early 20s, the, a sadness came of like, oh, I'm, you know, what is this? And the beautiful thing is in that sadness of really feeling the pain of, I want to know more and why am I, you know, very odd here, that it led me, spirit brought someone to me in my life that led me to a spiritual center in college that I just I got it. I stood in the spiritual center and went, oh, 
oh my goodness, I'm not the only one that believes these things. And, and they are, you know, this woman is standing there telling me that anything is possible. You create your own reality and the universe is moving through you. And I was like, thank you. This is great. So once that happened and Valeria, I am so, one of the things I'm most grateful for is that happened at a youthful age for me, that it, I didn't have to make it, you know, my entire adult life, I've been living these principles and growing and being a student of them and a teacher of them. And that excites me to no end because there's still so much more to learn and there's still so much more to um, gift and be of service to others. So it's very often we think when we're in pain that there's no way out because the pain is so intense. And if we can remember that in the pain, something bigger is trying to come through and we have to unpack, dismantle our emotional structure, subconscious structure that was holding life in a certain view up until that moment. That has to be released so we can see it from a more expansive moment. Right. And that takes a change in the way we think. Yes, and being open to learning and understanding and questioning. Right, right. So what is the technology of intention? The technology of intention is our access point to really stay present to what we're creating and the ability we have to create anything we desire. I, I'm so aware of how we live, and all of us are, I know, in this technological society and and when we can look outside for and, and have information in a split second, I was noticing how few were looking inside, you know, to really go, wait, there's something inside. And we all simultaneously to the technology of the word, we, world, excuse me, we all have a technology within us. We have this beautiful inner technology and I'm interested in tapping into that and helping people tap into that. So when we know that there is a science to it, there is a science to intention. And when it isn't just thrown out of, what's your intention? What's your intention? But someone could really break it down to, who that's a big ask. And if I'm clear, I'm, um, spirit is waiting for me to be clear so it can assist me to create. So that, that technology to think clarity is powerful. What are the steps I get to to practice, to be clear, because I'm activating a technology that's working whether I'm clear or not. <laughs> so why not be clear? So I'm aiming in the desire of what I want. You know, we're always creating. It's just, are we conscious or unconscious? I want us to be conscious. That's true. And that makes me think about fear. So being unconscious opens up that um, door to fear. Is that something that makes sense that goes together, <laughs> being unaware and being fearful? Absolutely. And because what we're unaware, I love how you just said that, when we're unaware, we could think our minds could just run in the chatter. When we're unaware and not curious to who, wait a second, let me, let me come back to my center and use practices, meditation, intention, prayer, journaling, you know, really expansive practices that keep me centered. Fear doesn't have as much room to creep in if we are so interested in our expansion. Fear creeps in when we are believing other people's fears or creating something in the future that could happen, but we don't know, or something in the past that did happen that could re-happen again. So it's, it's, that's part of our journey and really 
really staying in practice so the fear doesn't have a fertile ground to land. And right now in the world is so important to to have practices that keep us strong. Doesn't mean that fear doesn't come up. I mean, there's times that innate fear that can save our lives in moments is important to have when you're know, that re, that moment by moment feeling like, oh, I got to move now to move out of this and to be operating our life in it or fearful to take a step of an expansion because what if that does not serve us or creating something that doesn't exist? Right, right. And um, yeah, let's talk about intentions. Uh, how are they different from, let's say, desires and wants and expectations? Yes. So we can want things. We could look out and want and want and want things. If we're not, you know, spirit can look at a want and say, but where's your attention? Because it is where our attention is that directs the energy forward. So we could say, oh, I so want that new job. But if our attention inside is in an expectation, well, I'm not going to get it because so-and-so over there is smarter than me. Or if our attention is on lack, expectation, somebody should give me this, we'll stay and keep creating that because that is where the energy is is, um, the strongest. So expectation When, not all expectations, but a lot, when expectations, and I describe this very clearly in the book because it's important, when expectations are pointing outward, meaning if a certain thing must happen, a certain person must do something for me to be happy or fulfilled, that expectation leads to disappointment because it's not a place of power. We're looking outside of ourselves for someone to do a certain thing. So the beautiful news is intentions are the pathway out of expectations. So when somebody catches themselves, you know, if they're sitting with me and they catch themselves and say, you know, well, he should have known that this would be hard for me and and I'll just take a breath and say, is there expectation that are you expecting that person to? And if they say, well, yes, and then they'll take Another breath and think, wait a minute, but the pathway out of an expectation is what is my intention? Power comes right back to you when you come back to, I may be sad that that person just did that, but what is my intention right now? Right. Another question that comes to mind is about being realistic. Is there such a thing (laughs) when we set an intention? Do we have to think about how realistic that is or it's not or just use our imagination and be completely free. It's right in the middle of that. So I think that we, we when, in other words, if we come back to the question of what is the intention based in? If it's just based in something that someone um, really doesn't believe they could have, then the, that you're, you can't trick spirit. Spirit's not, you know, that it's, so we, since we can't trick spirit, we have to be authentic, So I'd rather have that authenticity in the moment. So if somebody says to me, um, like they want a certain uh, job position, but if they say, you know, I I don't know if, um, I don't know if I could have that yet, but I'm going to just dream about it. My ask is, would you have an intention that you're willing, open the door to willingness, that my intention is to be willing to explore our possibilities for this job opportunity and you know, so that it's this or something more. Again, you leave it open. You don't control the how. 
so that we can dream, but we could be authentic rather than be in reality and go, you know, it's just like, what is the authentic desire of my heart? If it's to have that certain position, then there must be some authenticity to it if the desire is that big. That's true. And when you speak of desires of the heart, I think of um, subjective things like joy, love, and peace, those states of mind, harmony. Correct. Yes, our intentions are based on those qualities. It's not on a result. And that's, that's, that's what takes people a while to really um, practice is that our intentions are based in the qualities of what we wish. Did you hear when I was pointing to that earlier, like a certain job position, I didn't say it was this job at this location at this many days a week. That would be limiting it right there. I would ask someone, what do you wish to feel? What are the gifts you wish to deliver there? What, you know, what is the, the area of financial abundance you'd like to experience? Because then that, the universe can take and find something bigger than your mind could ever even imagine. If it is my intention is to accept the perfect job that fills my heart and allows me to deliver my gifts and talents in this company before me or something I haven't seen yet, I'm calling for that opportunity that I'm absolutely inspired on track and delivering my gifts in overflow. You, those are all qualities and still clear it's for a perfect employment. Right. And you speak of authenticity. Uh, how do we know when we are being authentic? Well, if we're really listening to ourselves, we will know for sure. You know, when we come back to our heart and know, like, am I being true to me in this moment and really listen? You got to really listen. And the answer will always, always, always come. when Because when deep listening, the ego isn't controlling it. The ego's to the side. And in deep listening for authenticity, and also when a guide of knowing are we being authentic in a situation is, is it for the highest good of all concerned? Because if it's for the highest good of all concerned, we're pretty much we're on, the, on a track of being authentic because that's not self-driven. It's, it's for the good of all. So there's more, you know, it's a good, it's a good um, signpost of, yes, you're being in the authentic nature. But it's, you know, when we could sit and be really still and not say a peep and be authentic and speak on a certain matter authentically when it comes through us, not from because we think we have to say something. You know, in our society, be beautiful to make it safe to say, I, I don't know the answer to that. Because that would be an authentic answer if somebody, you know, the other night I was in an interview and it was, we're having a great time, the interview was great. And there was one question I was asked, I went, I don't know the answer to that. And I'm fine to go discover it. Because, you know, when we're, when we could say, I don't know, we just allow spirit to bring in, we just opened a void and an answer will come. Yeah, I love what you said. When we are doing something, whatever we're engaging in has to do or the ideas they're connected to the greater good we are doing for ourselves and others at the same time yes absolutely a great gauge of standing in you know integrity and authenticity that it doesn't doesn't mean it's all for me it's for is this good for all mm. and the same question goes for the uh, when you talk about being clear about our intentions, how do we know when, what are the signs that we are, we are clear with our intentions? What are the signs? If it's resonating 
in your body, in other words. And if it's up, you see the results too. Clarity brings you results. So if you're, if someone says, just saying, Kim, I, I just want a relationship. Again, there's the words, right? Want in a relationship. And if, so just that's kind of really broad, right? That doesn't, that spirit could bring in a relationship and then they could walk in the next day and go, oh my gosh, this person was not honest. Or did, I said, but you just asked for a relationship. So <laughs> right. that wasn't being clear. So the results will show us, you know, are you being clear? And one of the beginning chapters, Valerie, you may remember in the book, I gave a perfect, maybe it's towards the end, I can't remember, I gave a perfect example of when I first started this work, I, I thought I was clear and I got everything I wanted that I said in that intention because clarity is power. But I limited myself in the intention and did, I tried to tell the universe how to do it. And when I did that, I got what I wanted and looked at it and went, oh, well, that's funny. That isn't really what I wanted, but that's what I said. So the results will show us. Yeah, that's a good way of knowing. And again, if we are paying attention, like you said, listening and right, present. Yes. You raised this question in the book about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. So talk to me about that. In my office, before it burned down, I had a massive, beautiful library. I mean, my entire adult life, just treasuring speakers I've seen and wonder, and I've saved every one of them. Huge library. I had a room of knowledge. It was just huge, floor to ceiling. I will again, but it was, I used to stand in there and just feel like, whoo, if, if I could feel the energy of all this knowledge. Now, if I just stood there and knew I've got all these books and I could talk about it, I could talk about everything I read in these books and talk about all those people I've studied with, but still had traits or behaviors that was not living what's inspired me, I would stay in knowledge forever. I could have a lot of knowledge. When we are in living in wisdom, we live the knowledge. I'm much more interested in knowing, I know this, but am I living it? Comes back to your question a while ago about, you know, really being um, uh, like authentic in that moment. How do we know we are being? Because if we're touting knowledge, but we haven't practiced it, doesn't we don't have to be experts at it. We could still fall and get back up and go, oh, I'm still learning that one. You know, I'm still practicing forgiveness or I'm still practicing non-judgment. We don't have to be experts, but a willingness to live it, to practice it, to me is massive wisdom. Because that takes more vulnerability. It takes more willingness to, to know it, to walk it, instead of just touting it. That's true. I mean, that happens a lot. It's easy to, um, it's almost like a trap in a way, because there's so much information out there, and we're attracted to all these, this knowledge. But what if we have all that and we, and we don't use it? What is the point, really? It takes courage too, I guess. That's another thing. It takes enormous courage. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not that this journey is easy. <laughs> it is. It, 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 it does have moments that are absolutely easy because it's, and there's moments that, you know, we, you, we just get our boots in the dirt and do our work because it's, I feel it's worth it. It may not be easy, but it's worth it. And then it is easy. So spirit delivers with ease and grace is a true statement. It may be a journey for us to accept the ease and grace 
And that is where the courage got us to practice, the persistence and the willingness to get up and meditate when we'd rather sleep in, to take a breath in a conversation with someone that usually we'd get defensive to. All of that takes courage and living in the present moment. And to me, that's worth it because it changes lives. Yeah, yes. Uh, Talk to me about the power of words. No, you mentioned some words we uh, should be aware of, of not using or replacing them. Uh, so words we wish, uh, that word's not good, that should. It just came to me now, <laughs> we should use. <laughs> no worries. That word is so tricky. Right? And again, Valeria, this is, there is no right or wrong. This is just something that I have observed. So for, I share it from my observation of um there's certain, I really believe words have energy and I believe we can uplift or we can harm. And, and we've all seen that in the world where, you know, some, how you say a word, what you say to someone could take them to their knees or lift them up to the sky. So we get to be, it's, I believe if we're here in a body, it's our responsibility to stay conscious in what words are we using? Are we dropping someone to their knees and hurt or lifting them up? And and the same with ourselves. Are we using words that honor us first and foremost ourselves? So there's two, and and there's so that's just the overall like to be conscious of the words we use, and then to be interested in a conversation with someone of what the word means for them, because we can have beautiful conversations with people if we're more interested in asking, "Whoa, what do you mean by that?" instead of defending ourselves. When I'm with clients and counseling, you know, two people, I can watch one say a word and I can feel the energy of another start to shut down and get upset. And I'll go, hold on, hold on. And when we, if I said, first ask that person, your beloved, what they meant by that word, because two people could use the same word in a totally different way. So, so we get to explore our language. We get to honor our language. The two words that I tend to try to go, oh, let me put in another room. (laughs) One is should. And I just go, let's just change it to could for me. And I'm open to change and growing, but, and I feel that right now should has judgment attached to it. If somebody says to me, he should have known better. You should have done this better. I should have been better at this right there. I'm not feeling any uplifting energy. I'm feeling judgment. So it's such an easy switch to could. I could do this better. You could help me with that. I could ask you in a different way. Could opens the door to possibility. And Valerie, I really, I trust my body. And when a certain word comes out and my body goes, ooh, you know, then I know, wait, that doesn't feel right. But could expands me. When I say could, I could do that. I, I could practice that over there. I could learn that. All of that is open. I should have done that better. I just got constricted, you know? So, so it's that word I kind of, and the other one is, um, you know, how is a word that is not bad. We just get to be conscious of how we're asking it. Meaning if it's, how am I going to do this? That's spirit's job, but it's, it definitely doesn't mean it's a bad word. I like that word. Um, and the only other one I make reference to, I think in the book too, that, that some people get stuck by, not a bad word again, it depends on the context we're using it, is why. If why keeps people stuck, it's not empowering them. If why is asked in an expansive way, then it can empower someone. If someone says, why did this happen to me? Why are you so blah, blah, blah? That, you know, that keeps people stuck in the story instead of what's possible here. Why did this happen to me versus what am I to learn here? Yeah. 
That changes everything, doesn't it? Changes everything. Everything. So true. It's something that has to become another practice, like everything, the tools, yeah, we have. Yes. Yes. Talk to me also about the three power pillars of intention. So uh, they must be in the present moment. They must be positive and based on spiritual qualities. Yes. If we are, um, you know, for years, I've been very grateful and blessed that intentions go through me fast. So if I close my eyes and somebody says, Kim, I need an intention for this. I can close my eyes <laughs> and it'll roll right out. And people would say, how do you do that? I go, I'm not sure. They just, it's, it's a gift and it comes out. And when I started looking at them and assisting people to write their own, I realized that there is a format and it also helps people who are beginning to, to aim to live um, away from expectation and in intention, you know, someone could walk into my office and go, Kim, my intention is to not be mean, right? And I'll say, okay, can we switch that? Because they wouldn't even know their thoughts are, they really want to be nice, right? So I said, so can we switch it to the present positive qualities would be my intention is to be willing to be kind in all situations. So that's present because we don't say tomorrow I'm going to be nice. Every the powers in the present moment. It's a wonderful spiritual truth that people have been living by by thousands of years. If we live in it, the power resides here. I can't go back and breathe yesterday's breath and I can't go into tomorrow. I could only breathe this one. So it has to be present moment. And then it has to be in a positive words because again, our attention, wherever our attention is, more energy comes. Just like when we first started this conversation, if our attention is on, I, you know, I, I don't want to be mean. Well, then it's still, you've got a negative in there and what you don't want, mean. It's got to be, what do you want? I want to be kind. My intention is to be loving. You don't have to know how you're going to be loving in that conversation, but that intention is going to guide your actions. Your actions come from the clarity of your intention. So if you don't have the intention, imagine walking into a heated conversation. No one took a pause, walked in. They're then reactive and they're, they're reacting to the other instead of staying centered and responding to themselves and being guided by an intention. And an intention was, my intention is to be willing to be kind in this conversation. Someone may still not agree, but their actions are going to come from being kind. The, the third one, based on spiritual qualities, that goes back to what we talked earlier, those subjective ideas, joy, love, and peace. Is that what you um talking about here? That's the meaning of spiritual qualities? Yes. And so the qualities of what we desire hold more of a vibratory expansiveness than just the outcome. So if it is, you know, I, I want that car. Somebody said to me, I want that car right there. I'd go, tell me about it. What, what do you feel in it? I feel free. I feel safe. I feel like it's, it's a wise choice to do with, you know, gas or, or the emissions on the, whatever it is. I go for those qualities. So my intention is to call forth an automobile that honors the importance of the planet and my pocketbook and allows me to feel free. Those are qualities instead of that specific outcome. Because the second we got to that circumstance over there that we want that, we just put limitation on it again. Yeah. So there's too much of this destination, going somewhere, get somewhere. 
And that's not really the um, the goal, but the journey, isn't it? It's it's really those moments on the way there that we remember more than when we get there. How many times have we got somewhere a promotion or um, the in partner, and really it was the it was the those moments of like, oh, I made this choice, and whoo, that felt good, and then all of a sudden I'm there, and I go, oh, I'm here now. It was every moment before that the feeling tone resonated in truth that brought us to that moment. So yes, it's definitely the adventure in the journey. Yeah, I love that. Adventure, right? Do you believe in perfect timing uh, when it comes to creative works or the manifestation of whatever we are doing? Is there such a thing as the perfect time for that those works to be manifested in a world? Or this is just an, an illusion? Mm, I think there's, I, I would probably opt for the word for me would be divine timing, meaning I don't know what that is. Because if I name it today, meaning, oh no, this has to happen today or I won't be happy, I'm going to be into disappointment. If we, when we open it up to, there's, a, there's an element, certain things have to occur for that over there to, to um, fully manifest we again will go back to enjoying the journey if we know and trust divine timing is in motion right now. I'm I'm staying in inspired action, so I'm ready when that divine timing comes. Yeah, well, I love that. Yeah, inspired action, right? Absolutely. And would you like to add anything before I ask you my final questions? I feel so wonderfully content with you, with your questions you're asking, but thank you for that opportunity. I'm good. Thank you, Kim. How do you define success today? Wow, for me, it, it, that's living a life of intention. Success to me is living a life of intention because then my intentions can absolutely assist and be the pathway for me to create anything I desire. So success is living a life of intention and simultaneously accepting oneself is worthy of receiving the success that we desire, but really accepting that we are worthy of receiving it. That level brings more success than we can even imagine. Wow. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? Mm, okay, hold on. There's so many lessons. <laughs> Tell <laughs> um, me about me it. Hold said, thank goodness, oh. the hardest one. Mm, um, patience with myself and practicing gentleness. And it's pro- I th- and and so for that purpose, I'm a really I know I'm a really good teacher with assisting people to be gentle with themselves because it was so challenging for me to learn to be gentle with myself. Yeah, um, I spoke earlier about uh, unconditional self love, so this is a one of my final questions too. Um, do you believe in unconditional self love? I believe that that is the the epitome of why we're here to grow into that. You bet. If we don't already have it, yes. Yes, I totally believe in unconditional self-love. I believe in unconditional love, period. Right, right. What is another word for healing, Kim? Mm. Wow, allowing. Allowing. I have one, two, I guess two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? No. (laughs) Wow, that's a wonderful answer. 
Mm. Wonderful answer. The only thing I could think of when I said my no, and I had to hesitate to make sure of it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was, was the, the only one thing that came up was just to tell more people I love them. That would be it. And to enjoy this life. To, that's it. So it's not anything I would be doing as much as, is there something I'd want to express? If I knew I had, you know, this day to express it, I'd want to express more to others in that time. Enjoy. Like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. This ride, don't miss it. <laughs> You know, but definitely something I need to do. No. Yeah, you might be do more, right, of what you are already doing. That's a, such a great answer every time I hear. Um, do you believe in life after death? I do. I believe that our our soul, you know, lives on. I believe that we just discard the wonderful instrument that carries us through this existence. And I believe that it, we're really blessed to have it, you know, because we feel, we smell, we touch, we experience so much. And that's the, you know, one of the many blessings of the body and why it's so important to take care of it. Yeah, right. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? <laughs> <laughs> that's three things I know that love is to lead the way, that kindness and acceptance is our guiding light, and that absolutely anything is possible. Mm, right. Thank you so much for this conversation. It has been fun. I love your energy. <laughs> and I love your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you for having me on with you and thank you for asking brilliant questions and being the light that you are because your light illuminates all the way through the phone so thank you i'm honored thank you and um where can we find more information about you your books products services and future projects lovely thank you you can go to my website of course at kimstanwoodterranova.com um, and sign up there so i could keep you posted where i'll be or social media I'm at Kim Stanwood on Instagram and Kim Stanwood Terranova on Facebook. And my calendar on my website really keeps people informed of where I'm at speaking at any certain point because I'm traveling quite a bit and teaching. So I'd love that. And, and to pick up my book on Amazon is the best way. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Kim. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. You too. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Kim Stanwood Terranova, please visit her website, kimstanwoodterranova.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.